Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis, transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right, soccer dude, rockin' America. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. That's my nine-year-old daughter and co-host. With the goofiest humor, perhaps, in the entire soccer podcast landscape, we are going to mini-preview 10 of the most important, intriguing matches from around the world. As we define that. Now, per our name, we lean American, but we cover the region. And in fact, we'll go anywhere on the planet for great matchups like uh, top two league games, FA Cups, a great club and national team tournaments. If it's important where it's being played, there's a good chance that we're looking at it. This week, we're going to cover games from Friday the 19th through Thursday the 25th of November, Turkey Day. Let's kick things off with... March number one! Our first match takes us to Africa, the CAF Women's Champions League Final. And if you're not familiar with this tournament... Try not to be too hard on yourself. It's the first time they've ever had one. So congratulations to the women of Africa. Been a long time coming. Give you a big picture view of how they've been organizing it. The continent was broken down into eight geographical zones. Each one got to have their own qualifying tournament to select or determine one team to go to the final tournament. The final tournament, those final eight, were broken down into two groups of four. They each played a single round robin. And then from each of those two groups, two teams were sent on to the final four, which is a knockout phase. And your matchup at the final is out of Ghana, Sekunde Hasakas Ladies FC versus Memlodi Sundowns Ladies FC out of South Africa. And we'll look at the ladies from Ghana first. Hasakas, they play out of a city called Sekundai Takoradi, which I'm probably getting wrong, but in any case, what I do know more certainly is this is actually two cities, a pair of twin cities. It's a port city or a pair of cities in the central southwest part of the country, about a half a million plus. Big city didn't used to be and hasn't been that big that long. Back in just 2010, they had fewer than 150,000 people. But there's been a huge oil boom there these last 10 years. The area also has a professional men's team. They play in the second division. Uh, This club was founded 18 years ago, which is interesting because the Premier League for the women was actually only formed in 2012. So they either had a Premier League and called it something else, or the women have just been playing football longer than it was really organized at this high of a level. They've won four league titles since the founding, and that is the most in the country. We'll take a look at some of their league play first. The 2020-2021 Ghanaian, (laughs) I almost said it wrong, Women's Premier League was broken down into two geographical zones. Hasakas won the southern zone by just two points. Uh, They beat 
Mpem Darkoa in the Premier League final from the other zone, the Northern zone, presumably, to qualify for this, the Champions League. Uh, they have the best offense and defense going in by a fair bit. I was surprised the league race was that close just based on uh, the stats I was able to find. They were scoring over two goals per match and allowed exactly one goal on average every other match. Here are some names to look for in the box score. Tied for number four in league scoring was Mylot Abena. Pokua, she's a forward, and while I didn't see her age listed based on a couple of other things that I found, I'm gathering that she's no older than 18 years old, a very young professional. Also tied with her at number four in league scoring is Veronica Appia. Then we've got a couple of other really good players on the other end as well. Janet Egiyiri, or Egiyiri, uh, she was named defender of the season, and then their goalkeeper, Grace Bonwa, was named the netminder of the season. Now, expanding our view back out a little bit to the continental perspective, they play in what is called the Wafu Zone, W-A-F-U, which the W is Western. And actually, since normally there's only five zones for Africa, but some of the zones got to have two uh, sort of unofficial subzones. In any case, Hasaka finished in second place in the W-A-F-U subzone B group stage. Then we had to play two games, went 1-0-1 uh, with a 3-2 and two GD. Uh, goal differential, and then they beat the number one team uh, from the other subzone, Rivers Angels, out of Nigeria, three to one, and that vaulted them into the final tournament, the final eight. Hasakas won their group there, and they went two one and zero oh in their final eight, and they had an eight and three goal differential. And then in the knockout stage, the final four, which has all been played in Cairo, by the way, they beat a Moroccan team called ASFAR two to one. And one more name to look for, here in the final tournament, their leading scorer, she's been absolutely on fire, a 19-year-old midfielder, set five goals named Evelyn Badu. And well, now we'll talk about Mamelodi Sundowns. They play out of Pretoria, which is one of the three capital cities in South Africa. Just a quick reminder, sort of politically, that South Africa not only has separation of uh, the powers into three branches, they put them in three different geographic areas. This is where the executive branch is. It's in the northwest part of the country. Uh, greater metro area probably has about three million people. A couple side notes geographically, just because we like to learn about the world as we look at soccer here. Uh, they've got the largest white population uh, in sub-Saharan Africa, and it's also known as a big academic and research city. Back to the footy, they won the 2019-20 South African Football Association Women's League, the Safa Women's League, to qualify. 2019-2020, uh, because what would have been the more recent season, 2021, got canceled because of COVID. They have three league titles to their credit historically that is tied for the most of the league. They play out of Kosafako, Kosafa, rather, which is uh, the Central African area geographically, and that was also broken into two subzones. They won their subzone Group A with a 3-0-0 record and a 12-0 goal differential, and then they beat Black Rhino Ladies 0-3 in the knockout final. I think that they may have been from the same league, but I forgot to make a note of that. Don't hold me to it. In any case, then the final tournament, your final four. Uh, they won Group B with a 2-1-0 record uh, and a 2-0 goal differential. Kept their thing very low scoring, particularly the semifinal where they beat Malabo Kings out of Equatorial Guinea. Uh, after uh, regular time, the score was 0-0, and then they had to win 5-4 to four on penalty kicks in order to qualify for the final. I couldn't find a whole lot of stats for players or any, really, for their league play, but I will mention that Event scoring on the leaderboard for this team is Melinda Kigadi. 
they need more vowels. Kagagiete. She's a forward that's had six goals in the tournament. Match number B. Number B. Number B. It's the new number between one and three. Number two is bathroom talk. I was going to rhyme something with squawk. Anyway, thank you, Daughter Dearest Person Noob, for reminding us, as always, that yes, number two is bathroom talk. If you want to be a part of polite society, if you want to swing like the hip kids swing, join us in our revolution to replace that phrase with number B. And thank you so much for your efforts along those lines. Now we move on to Saturday for more women's football. The uh, NWSL, Women's Top Flight in America, they are having their championship final, and it's going to be in Louisville. And you're going to get number four from the regular season, Chicago Red Stars, taking on number three, the Washington Spirit. Uh, their overall series, or at least in recent seasons, Chicago has had the best of it by just a little bit with an 8-5-6 and six record against the Spirit. This year, Chicago went 2-1-0 and against them in their three matches. You can catch this at 12 noon on CBS. And just a little bit of a side note, it was, I believe, always, uh, once they decided at any time, going to be at noon Eastern. But what was really interesting, it got a lot of backlash, in case you hadn't heard, was that the original site for this tournament was supposed to be out in the Pacific Northwest. They were going to have to start the match at 9 a.m. And that's just not really fair. These are professionals. Everybody realized it. And so thankfully, the folks out in Portland decided, yes, we can let this go, do it another year. We'll let Louisville have it this year. Now let's talk about your finalists. Finalists, rather, Chicago Red Stars. They have made five postseasons in a row. 2019 was their best year. They were the runners-up in the playoffs. This year, they beat number one Portland Thorns, nil to two on the road to advance to the final. Their regular season stats, to be perfectly honest, not that impressive. They finished higher in the rankings than one might have thought based on this because they just had the tied for the fifth best offense, number six defense, number six overall goal differential, which puts them in the playoffs. Top six out of the 10 made it. But the number four seed, you know, some gritty, gutty wins and draws in there. Now, I'm going to give you a few players to look at, but some of these gals, I think, between COVID and injuries might not be available. Nevertheless, let's talk about the success they've had during the season. On the assist leaderboard, Mallory Pugh plays forward for them, and she had been with Washington, interestingly enough, her whole career, I believe, until this year. And she is a name that is known. She's got 67 women's national team caps to her credit. Tied with her on the assist leaderboard, Kelia Watt, wife of one J.J. Watt from the NFL. Uh, she spent most of her career with the Houston Dash, who just missed out on the playoffs this year, and she's earned three women's national team caps of her own. Most recent one was 2018. The all-around best player, though, and I haven't heard she's injured or sick or anything, is probably Morgan Bryan. She doesn't get nearly the talk that the others do. But in looking and watching a lot of different things, she's their central defensive midfielder, by the way. She just doesn't have any weaknesses. She's great in open space. She can hit crosses. She's great on tackling. She's very much a jack of all trades and with no real weaknesses. And if they're down a couple of bodies, they're probably going to try to keep the low score to be uh, score low, to be perfectly honest, which is going to make her more key than ever. And she's used to the pressure. She's got 48 women's national team caps to her credit since 2019. As far as the team's form, they have won five straight matches and only conceded one goal in those five. 
And now Washington, uh, they had a string of three straight postseason appearances from 2014 to 2016. The last of those was their best finish. They were runners-up. This year, they beat number B in the regular season standings. O.L. Reign used to be Seattle Reign to advance to the final. The stats were a little bit better, but I still think that they outperformed themselves in the table rankings just a little bit. Uh, tied for third best on offense. Pretty good there, but a very average defense and goal differential. A lot of the offense has been coming at the feet of a gal whose name has not been quite as well known as a lot of others this year. Number one league leading scorer, Ashley Hatch plays forward for them. Uh, she earned a couple of women's national teams cap back in 2018. I don't think she's been on the roster since. And then tied for number one in assists, your rookie of the year, Trinity Rodman, just 19 years old, plays forward for them. Daughter of Dennis Rodman from Chicago Bulls glory days, by the way. And in my opinion, they've got the third best goalkeeper in the league in Audrey Bledsoe. She's had uh, quite an interesting journey. Hasn't played all in America like some of these gals. She uh, spent some of her club time in Denmark, Norway, and then also did a couple stints with Sydney FC down under. The team's form, just as impressive as Chicago's, maybe even more so. Six straight wins, unbeaten in their last date. And like Chicago, looking at their last five, they've only conceded one goal. So, noob thoughts. Who do I think is going to win this? Well, I think that this is a year of destiny, to be perfectly honest, for Washington. My gut just tells me that, plus with the injuries and sickness, the missing bodies that Chicago might be facing, this could be a very... Uh, you know, they might have a very uphill journey for the final. And Washington team of destiny, I mean, their coach was forced out earlier this season regarding uh, sexual harassment and a myriad of other problems that he had had both here and at a previous stop at MLS, which was the real extra big problem. And so I think that the Spirit are going to take this, and my score prediction is nil two. Match number three is another Saturday match, and this one is not a tournament final of any kind, but we are going to the USL Championship for their conference finals. USLC, that is the second division in American soccer, and the matchup that we're going to look at out of the Pacific Division of the Western Conference, uh, they finished second place there, Orange County FC, and they are taking on the second place team from the Mountain Division out west, San Antonio. Uh, the winners are going to get either uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies, who were the very best best team in the entire league for the regular season or Louisville City, to be perfectly honest. I think one of those two is going to end up as your champion. So that's why we're looking at the other one now. And by the way, you can catch this one at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. And as is our tradition with match number three or four, typically, we're not going to talk anymore about the match. We're interested in making some money. And to do that, we always like to turn to our in-house diviner. Now, last week, we started to talk about Orange County's first playoff round, which obviously they won because they're here. We tried to check in with our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, for a drug idol division and a result that we could gamble on. Now, he may have been able to touch the quote-unquote universal infinite like he always does, but somehow he couldn't touch base with us. We had a really bad signal, lots of status, uh, static rather, and interference. However, we are more sure of our channel this time, so please... Take it away, O oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. No mercy, but perhaps some small comfort. I've downed my loose expired prescription pills and washed them down with the fresca you sent. Delightful. And now I travel through space and time. Whee!
I opened my eyes to discover multiple oddities. First, this is not Orange County. Not anywhere in California. Old Noobstradamus has his vices, and I admit to knowing full well this is the Treasure Island Casino in Paradise, Nevada. Odder still is that I am in a female avatar. It's happened before, but it's simply more rare. And I'm not here for nickel slots or limit poker, no. I'm here to rescue a kidnapped Miss America. Baddies will sink the whole place if their demands aren't met. I'm FBI. I've been very much on my own, but I'm relieved to have finally been joined by my fellow agent and bodyguard, Sam. My vision blurs and reforms. I'm in the ship portion of the resort. Specifically, the Oasis Drag Club. This yellow showgirl's dress is not becoming. But Sam and I belt out proud Mary. Dolly Parton tells us where to find the kidnappee. We flash our FBI badges and are sure to move on to save the day. Before the sure climax of this daring mission, the vision fades out quickly. Noob, though I will not claim to understand why, I surely have convened once again with the Universal Infinite. The score will be two to nothing. I have seen. I have shaken my tail feather, and I have spoken. Pardon my language, but poppycock vision. More like a drug-addled remembrance of oh, most of the third act from Sandra Bullock feature movie Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Yeah, that's where the two comes from in the two nil, I'm pretty sure. It was a sequel, not a very good one. Not that I saw either. Just not a Sandra Bullock guy except for A Time to Kill. In any case, I'd also guess that he would have more uh, credible visions if we uh, took away his basic cable package out there on the Thracian Plains. Well, all this said, gamble wisely, Nubites. Match number four. Yet another Saturday match, and this time a league final. We're going to move one, down one division to the USL League One, the third division here in America. They're having their final with number one Union Omaha playing host to number B Greenville Triumph. And if that matchup sounds familiar, then you were paying attention last year. That was supposed to be the final last year as well, but a whole mess of players, and I think staff and coaches maybe as well, all got COVID at the same time, and so they simply had to cancel it. Greenville had been the number one seed, and so they were awarded the title officially. As far as the overall series, I believe they've just played three times since they're both such young clubs. One, one, and one against one another. I know that Greenville this year went one, one, and oh against Omaha, which is a lot because Omaha really dominated this year. You can watch to see if that's what's going to happen at five o'clock Eastern time on ESPN Plus. And we'll talk about the favored Union Omaha. Owls first. The club was founded two years ago, and yes, the Owls. The club is named after the great horned owl of the region and then the uh, famous Union Pacific Railroad. They actually don't play in Omaha proper. They play in a suburb. I'm going to give this an Americanized pronunciation, assume it's not still 
uh, said like it would be in French, uh, Papillion. In any case, it's about 12 miles outside of Omaha, a city of about 25,000. Uh, they play their games at Werner Park, which is the home of uh, Kansas City's AAA Storm Chasers, one of those really cool nicknames. They advanced by beating Tucson in the semifinal 6-1. to one. Ouch. They also won the regular season by six points, which given that it's a moderately short regular season is an awful lot, but no wonder by looking at their stats. Uh, tied for number one on offense, they've scored over one and a half goals per game in a largely defensively oriented league. They also had the number one defense letting in less than one goal per match and the best overall goal differential by a factor of about two and a half. Uh, number three scorer in the league was Greg Hurst this year, striker, 24 years old for them. Uh, St. Johnstone over in Scotland actually had the rights to him for a while, but uh, they nearly always loaned him out to uh, either non-Division one Scottish or English clubs. Uh, back before St. Johnstone had him, I think he even had a look with Everton. That would have been a 2017. Also tied for number B in assists for the league, Devin Boyce, an American midfielder, 25. Uh, Colorado Rapids fans, you might recognize his name. He played a little bit for your under-23 team. And then the second-best goalkeeper, in my opinion, is theirs out of Ghana. They get another mention. Rashid Nuhu, he played a little bit for the under-23 and the uh, senior team reserved side for New York Red Bulls. But I think their best all-around player is Evan Conway, their attacker, 24 years old, 10 goals on the year, uh, one assist, which isn't super impressive on the ladder, but he is a striker. But looking at all his stats and what watching him been able to do, basically he's a poacher, so he's so valuable because of his efficiency. If the ball gets loose around him, he's going to put it in the back of the net. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 and in their last three. And now Greenville coming to visit from South Carolina. Club was founded three years ago. Uh, last year was the first season they actually got to play, and they finished in third place. This year, in finishing in second, they finished just one point ahead of Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, they had a very average of best offense, but they did have tied for the second best defense. And things were tight enough statistically in the league as far as that sort of low offense that I mentioned before that they did have the number three goal differential. This is a team that belongs in the final. Second best league scorer is theirs, Mario Salomas out of the Netherlands. We've mentioned him before. But I think their best all-around players, Aaron Walker, one of their midfielders, 31-year-old veteran, five goals, three assists. Cincinnati had the rights to him back in 2017-18. I believe that they were still a second division team, not in MLS like they are now. But in any case, he didn't have any appearances with them. I don't know if that was injury or if he got loaned somewhere. I just didn't see in any case, as far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10, and they have not conceded a single goal in their last six. My thoughts on that, despite the impressive streak that Greenville is on, I think this is another destiny situation. Omaha's led the league pretty much, or literally perhaps pillar to post, and I believe this is the Union's year. Match number five. New Bites, your Saturday is absolutely jam-packed. Our fifth out of our 10 official matches of our tracking we're headed to Conma Bowl for another tournament final. This is the Copa Sudamericana. Note that it is not the Champions League. Just like Europe has both the Champions League and then the Europa League in South America, they have the Copa Sudamericana as the secondary club international tournament. The final is going to be held at a neutral site, Montevideo in Uruguay, and the winner 
big deal, gets into the Champions League, and they get to advance all the way straight into the group stage for next year. You can watch this one if your cable package or satellite one runs deeply enough. Be in sports in Espanol at 3 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. Your matchup, both teams out of Brazil, Atletico Paranaense versus Red Bull Bragantino. Uh, the series, it's been a pretty short one, or at least in more recent games, AP have had the uh, ever so slight best of it with a 2-3-1 and one record. And this year they earned a 0-2 record in league pay on the road against Bragantino. But then at home they only managed a 2-2 draw in the second time they played. Let's talk about Piranha Ense first. They are known as the Hurricane. Love that nickname. Play out of a city called Curtiba. It's the capital of the state of uh, Paraná. It's almost 2 million people. That makes it the eighth biggest city in the country. Uh, fun side note, it's one of the few cities in Brazil that worldwide is recognized as having a high HDI, Human Development Index. That said, the unemployment there is really uh, still very high. Back to the footy. They won this event back in 2018. Uh, they earned the number one berth out of Brazil for this event of all the teams that didn't go to the Champions League. They had to survive in this event, the group stage first. They went 5-0-1 with an 8-1 goal differential. And then in the knockout stage, they've played six games. They went 5-1 with a 13-4 goal differential. Uh, to qualify for the final, they beat a pretty good Uruguayan team, uh, Peñarol, 4-1, handled them rather easily. Players to look for on the event scoring leaderboard is an Uruguayan that plays for them, David Terrance. He's a forward with four goals here in the event. He's also very good on assists, or at least he has been in lead play. He's top three in the Uruguayan top flight this year. On the event scoring leaderboard is slash was the singularly named Vitinho forward for them, but I don't believe they get his services any longer unless there's some sort of exemption. I very much doubt that because he is now with uh, probably the best team in all of Ukraine, Dynamo Kiev. 2021 in Serie A, the season is just about to wrap up there. This team isn't having that great a year. They're actually a little bit below average. Number 11 in the standings right now. They're eight points behind number six, Fortaleza, which is uh, sixth place is the demarcation point for the last team that will get into the 2022 Champions League uh, based on league play. So it's really looking like if they want to get into the uh, Copa Libertadores next year, their Champions League in South America, they are going to have to win this final. And they're going to have to score to do it because their defense is awful. In their league play, they have the seventh best offense, but the second to worst defense out of all 20 teams. All around best player. And I think this is the guy they're going to have to lean on. It gets just a little bit less talk. Their right winger, uh, Nikau. He's a very good passer. He's incredible on crosses, as well as being a good tackler. And while you don't want to see anybody neglect tracking back and making tackles and doing what they need to do defensively, this is a team that cannot afford to fall short on offense. They're going to need him uh, getting the ball into good positions up in the front third. He's got three goals and five assists on the year. As far as the team's current form, momentum not on their side. They've lost two in a row. And now Red Bull, the Bragantino version, they are known as the gross mass. Something must be lost in the translation from the Portuguese. I'm just not sure what that would mean. But they play out of the city of Braganza Paulista in the state of Sao Paulo, a city of about 175,000, southeast part of the country. Uh, used to be pretty uh, blue-collar, rough and tumble, if you will, but it's become kind of gentrified. It's more of a commuter town now. Uh, in 2019, by the way, since this, I know the Red Bull teams are fairly uh, popular, like Leipzig, Leipzig in Germany, and then the Austrian version in Salzburg, Red Bull only took over this team in 2019. And when they did, they were in the second division, and they went on to win that. 
And then in 2021, this has been their second season in a row in Serie A now. Now, this is not their first time in the top flight, though. They did finish as runners-up, in fact, all the way back in 1991. And this team played their way into a very high seat as well. They're considered to have the second berth out of uh, the Brazilian Serie A for this event. In the group stage, they went 4-0-2 with a uh, non-intimidating 7-6 goal differential. Short things up more for the knockout stage, 5-1-0 record with a 13-5 goal differential. Found their offense. Uh, they beat Libertad out of Paraguay 5-1 to advance to the final. Uh, number B in event scoring is the singularly named Artur fellow Brazilian, 424 years old with seven goals, and he is also number B on the league assists board for Serie A in Portugal. Let's talk about their league play a little bit as a team. Number four on offense, they score almost one and a half goals a game, but just like their opponents today, their defense just stinks. They're the fourth worst in the league. Now, things are a bit compressed, to be perfectly honest, as far as the defense, and it's worth mentioning. They may not be quite as horrible, either of these teams, as I'm making them sound, because that one and a half goals per game scoring isn't that impressive. I mean, it's good, but the defense is awful, and yet they've still got overall the number four goal differential. Tied for number four in league scoring and in second place and assists in league play is Italo, Y-T-A-L-O. I hope I'm getting his name right. Italian fans would know because he spent uh, 2018 and 19 uh, with Sampdoria, which is in Italy, Serie A, and Brescia, which I think was might be in their second division now. Don't hold me to it, though. I'm not sure that he made a lot of apps for appearances for either one, though. At the very least, Brescia, I don't think he played much. In any case, the team's current form, they also don't have a lot of momentum on their side other than having won the semifinal. That's it. Other than that, they've lost four out of their last five, and they've been shut out in all four of those losses. So, Noob's thoughts on what to expect from this game? I have absolutely no idea and wouldn't gamble on this nearly if you put a gun to my head. Neither of these teams has very much momentum going overall. If I had to pick one, I would go with uh, uh, Parana Ense just because they've got a lot more top flight experience. Kittens, give them what they want. Don't learn the hard way like Noob had to once. I won't talk about it. Instead, what I'll give them is what they want. That's a recap of last week's matches that we tracked. Match number one was a Friday match. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying number B in the table at the time. USA taking on number one Mexico. And they switched places in the table after the USA won 2 to nil at home. Saturday, match number B from USL's League One. Number B, Greenville Triumph took on number three, Chattanooga Red Wolves. And the result was a Greenville win 2-0. Interestingly, both goals were actually scored in added extra time. Man of the match possibility, we said to look for Marios Lomas from the Netherlands. He had the second of those goals. Match number three was from the USL Championship. Playoffs, Orange County took on Oakland Roots and went to 0-0 after regular time. Penalty kicks, Orange County advanced with a 6-5 dramatic win. Match number four from UEFA's World Cup qualifying. Number four in their group, Bosnia and Herzegovina took on number three, Finland. The result was a win for the home team. Finland won 1-3. Robin Lod had a goal and an assist. And then uh, for Finland, uh, Jukka or Yucca Raitala, he got a red card in the 37th minute, and that really put them behind the eight ball, and yet they still managed to win the game and climb up 
to second place in their table for right now. Match number five from Panama, the Liga Nacional Clausura stage. We had number B in the East Alianza taking on number one, Toro, and it was Toro coming out on top. Nil one, Ismael Diaz had a goal, much as we predicted, and Toro have, congratulations to them, won the Clausura stage title. Sunday, match number six from the NWSL semifinals, number two, O.L. Reign took on number three, Washington Spirit, and it was an upset result. We had Washington coming out on top, one to two, and uh, Trinity Rodman had an assist on the tying goal, someone we said to look for in the box score. Match number seven from Africa's World Cup qualifying group stage. We had a dramatic one. Number B, Ghana, took on number one, South Africa in Group G. The result was a 1-0 win for Ghana. Uh, the group stage ended with a tie between these two. The next tiebreaker was goals scored, and Ghana had them just barely beaten out 7-6, to six, and only the winner gets to advance on uh, to the next qualifying round. Uh, apparently, there was some very questionable refereeing, at least in the eyes of South Africa, in this match, so much so that I believe they have officially appealed to have the match replayed. We'll have to see what comes of that. I am doubtful. Tuesday, match number eight from England's FA Cup. We had Altrinum taking on Gateshead from the fifth and sixth levels of the English football pyramid, respectively, and it was an upset. Gateshead coming out on top two to three. This was a back-and-forth match the entire way, and Gateshead got the winner at the 91st minute, actually, so an added extra time. Match number nine from the Canadian Premier League last match there. Number one, Forge FC took on number B, Cavalry FC. Forge FC had enough of a leading goal differential and they were ahead by three that the regular season title wasn't really in doubt. This was more about whether or not Cavalry would hold on to the number two seat and they have. They came out on top nil one, so they ended up tying Forge on points. Tuesday match number 10. Uh, once again, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. It was Jamaica playing host to the U.S. This time the result was a 1-1 draw. We eventually saw Canada that day move up to number one and the U.S. drop down into second place. And then your bonus matches with explanations coming later on when we do them again. Sunday was your route of the week from Macau's Liga de Elite, number one CPK, taking on number 10, last place Hang Sai. And the result, CPK took kind of easy on them. It was just a 3-0 win. The most meaningless match in the world Saturday for Norway's top seer and number five, Arna Bjornar took on number six, Cole Bolton. And the result, of course, in a meaningless match would have to be a draw, this time 2-2. And then finally, your match of disappointed, fittingly a Monday match. And it was from uh, Chile's Primera División, number 16, Huachipato, taking on number 17, the last place, Santiago Wanderers. And the result, Huachipato came out on top 2-0. That still wasn't enough to have them climb out of second to last place. That concludes your recap of last week's match results. Let's get back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. We turn the calendar page to Sunday, and at last, the MLS playoffs are upon us. The first round are getting started, and we're going to talk about what I believe will be one of the best matches of the entirety of the playoffs. Number four, NYCFC from the East regular season versus number five, Atlanta. The series, or at least recent games, has been have been very, very close. Atlanta has a slight lead at 4-3-3. Three, and three. This year, uh, NYC, they got a 1-0 win at home, and then Atlanta, they only managed to get a 1-1 draw when they played at their place. The winners are going to get the Revs, New England, the best team in the league by four, set a record for, uh, for overall points and winning their supporter shield. 
3 o'clock Eastern Time, ABC, or ESPN Deportes is where you can watch this one. We'll talk about NYC first. The Pigeons, last year they were out in the first round of the playoffs. 2016 through 19 were better. They always finished in the quarterfinals. No better, no worse. This year, they really came on strong late and got to pad their stats some. Uh, top three offense, top four defense. I thought this guy was going to be a dark horse for uh, maybe even winning most valuable player. Uh, tied for number one in league scoring, Valentin Castellanos from Argentina, 23-year-old forward, and he has been absolutely red hot. Keep your eye open for him if you're watching this one. He scored, I believe, six goals in their last four matches, and I don't think any of those were uh, uh, cheapies, so to speak, from a statistical standpoint. I don't think any of those were penalty kicks. And then setting him up top 10 and assists for the entire league leaderboard, Maximiliano Morales, a fellow Argentinian for him, 34-year-old attacking midfielder. He spent the longest stint of his career over with Atalanta in Serie A in Italy. Very impressive. The Forum, they've been hot, unbeaten in their last five with a 12-3 and goal differential. Come to town to see what they can do about it. Atlanta, the five stripes. Last year, they only finished in 12th place, didn't make the playoffs. Really looked like they were headed that same direction this year, but they let go of their coach. Brought in, I believe, an assistant from Seattle, I want to say. I should have looked that up. In any case, they really turned it around. It didn't just squeak into the playoffs. The five seed was very impressive. They've won one league playoff title. That was back in 2018. This year, the offense, to be perfectly honest, was a little bit below average. But they had an above-average defense, and that was largely thanks to their super veteran goalkeeper, Brad Guzan, who used to play a lot for the USMNT. Spent the heart of his career with Aston Villa over in England. But their all-around top player, I think, on the year has been uh, Marcelino Moreno, another Argentinian central midfielder, nine goals, four assists. This is another jack-of-all-trades guy. Excellent on passing, crossing, tackling, good in open space, if not all-time great, just an all-around weakness-free player. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last six, although a slightly less impressive eight and four goal differential. My thoughts on this one, I guess I would go with uh, New York City FC only because they're at home, though. Both of these teams have been red hot, and because of that, I think they're the two most likely teams that could give the Revs a run in the second round. The Revs are probably not happy with this draw. Match number seven. Another Sunday match, and we are going to earn our frequent flyer miles for this one. Never kidding when we say Soccer New Brock in America means not just covering American soccer and not just covering soccer like in England and Western Europe and Mexico and other places that Americans care about, but the whole darn world. We want to learn everything, and we're going to the South Pacific for this one. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing again. <laughs> you hope. Solomon Islands S-League. They're in their last match of the regular season. Uh, this is the number three ranked league in the Oceanic Football Confederation. It is a 12-team league. They play a double round robin, and the top two teams get to go to the Champions League. To be perfectly honest, things are Almost pretty well set, but not quite mathematically heading into this last match. But I just wanted to visit it before it went away for the year. It's a really good matchup. Number B, Solomon Warriors versus number three, going to pronounce it Wanayagu, W-A-N-E-A-G-U, United. Wanayagu United. Now, here's how the table looks. 
Central Coaster in first place with 48 points. Southwest, or not Southwest, I abbreviated it SW. Solomon Warriors are two points behind with 46. They have far and away the best goal differential in the league. So a win for them and any kind of draw for Central Coast in their last match in Solomon Warriors would win the league. As far as Wanayago, they should be able to give Solomon Warriors a really, really good match, but they're not going to overtake them. They would have to win the match by eight to be able to overtake them on goal differential and get the second Champions League spot. Not too likely. And to be perfectly honest, Central Coast, they're probably not going to lose their last match. They're playing number nine Marist Fire for their last one. And just so you know, uh, in the home match this season, Wanayago did Managed to play them to a draw, nil-nil. We'll talk about the Warriors first. They were founded in 1981 as a seven-a-side team. Never found that to be true of any other professional league or top-flight league. I don't know if they get paid down in the Solomon Islands. Used to be called Uncles FC. And then another name I found for them uh, was Wontox. I don't know if that translates to uncles or means something else entirely. I am Polynesian linguistic noob as well, apparently. They play in the capital city of Honiara on the island of Guadalcanal. Six league titles to their credit, and they are the four-time defending champions. That's why I didn't want to count them out and wanted to cover them, especially with that great big goal differential. Their last two shots at the Champions League have really gotten fouled up. 2021 version, because of COVID, they just didn't have it. And then 2020, they canceled it before it got to the uh, knockout stage, and Solomon Warriors had qualified for that. So they were on a really nice run. League play, they have kept right on trucking. Number one offense at well over two goals per match. Tied for second best defense in the league, one of two teams allowing fewer than one goal per match. And as I mentioned before, number one overall goal differential. Their current form, they may have really blown their chance to win the league. They had won four straight before their last match. Admittedly, it's tough to go on the road. They went to Central Coast and only managed a nil-nil draw. They really needed to get a win there. Other than that, they've been red hot, 16-3 and goal differential. Now we'll talk about Waniagu. I can't quite say they're coming to try to play spoilers since things are already set, but obviously they would love to get a win. Who wouldn't? Uh, now, I could not find almost anything on this team, to be perfectly honest. I went back to 2019-20 uh, season when the S-League only had nine teams. This wasn't one of them. I just can't find anything about them. What I can tell you is this year they had an average of best offense but had the best defense in the league going. They kind of played park the bus a little bit. They only allowed on average less than a goal every other match. Their current form, they kind of blew their chance, if not at number one, maybe for number B in the table in the Champions League. They had won three straight matches before only playing to a nil-nil draw at home versus number six, Isabel United. Match number eight. One more key soccer match for your Sunday, and we're headed to the Great White North. The Canadian Championship has reached its final. That's their version of the FA Cup. The winner is going to get a CONCACAF League berth. As always, I will note that that is not the CONCACAF Champions League. The CONCACAF League is primarily a feeder tournament for the CCL. In any event, your matchup is Club de Foot Montreal versus Toronto FC. Yeah, two of the three MLS teams made it. No real surprise. You can watch them face off at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Fox Soccer Plus if the spirit moves you to do as such. Now, as is our tradition on this show, we're going to use, once again, match number eight to talk about food. We like our footy, but we love our food. Usually in this slot, I've thrown in a recipe Last week was really weird because we found a once-famous carrot type from the greater Manchester area in England. This time we're going to talk meat. Yes, I wish I had the Arby's uh, 
Oh gosh, shoot. I can't think of his name. Ving Rames. I wish I had the Ving Rames voice. In any case, Montreal smoked meat. Very, very famous. But being from the Midwestern US originally, it's just not something that I happen to be familiar with. And I've also seen some Twitter talk about it recently. So I thought I'd give it a shot and learn what I could about Montreal smoked meat and mainly how it differs from, because people argue apparently a lot between Montreal smoked meat, which is better, and uh, pastrami, particularly New York deli pastrami. They're very, very similar, but have a lot of key differences. Now, Montreal smoked meat, uh, just like you would find with pastrami, a lot of other deli meats, uh, is largely uh, popular in this area due to the Eastern Jewish population of Montreal. Now, uh, the Montreal version, it is a brisket cut, whereas pastrami's, pastrami is typically a navel cut. The navel cut, that's from the belly, as you would imagine. It's very fatty. It's good for smoking, good for making bacon. It is glorious and causes us to no longer doubt the possibility of an omnibenevolent God in the universe, bacon, bacon, bacon. It's very good. However, Montreal smoked meat, that is the brisket cut. It is the breast. You have to cook it longer. It's tougher because of uh, the connective tissue in there. You don't mind having to chew just a little bit more. I always think brisket's the way to go myself. Now, both, if you were to make these, for example, uh, you're going to want to have your coriander, your black pepper, and your sugar. But the Montreal smoked meat, and this is one of the reasons I would favor it, far less sugar. And instead, they add in uh, more uh, garlic powder and uh, mustard. Now, both are dry cured. But as far as the preparation of the Montreal smoked meat, you've got to soak that and specifically for a long time because uh, to spread that seasoning around through that tougher tissue. Both are smoked. Same reason. It doesn't have the fat that absorbs things as much as that navel cut wood. Naval cut wood, the Montreal smoked meat. You've got to smoke it longer. Both you're actually going to steam before slicing. But make a sandwich with either of these. Everything I've read says, and this is one of the reasons I would love both, use a robust bread. I don't like to use anything lighter than a hearty wheat whenever I make any sandwich, but they recommend going further and at least going with a rye and then adding even more mustard onto it, which I think would be really, really good for the brisket cut myself. Interesting side note, in Montreal, if you want to make your own, legally you can't, at least not in the traditional way. They, uh, I didn't catch the why, but they have banned wood smoking in Montreal proper. So if you want to go make and kind of, I mean, I'm sure you can buy it prepackaged, but sort of make or get the real thing, uh, you have to go outside the city. Kind of funny. In any case, I don't know if yours are, but my salivary glands are going torturously so. So Let's stop all that nonsense and get back to the soccer with... Match number nine. After a jam-packed weekend like that, as is usual here on the podcast, we typically find you get Mondays off, no major matches then. We flip forward to Tuesday to the UEFA Champions League where they're still in the group stage. Top two teams from each group are going to advance to the knockout bracket. Number threes from each group will get to drop down into the Europa League. There are just two matches left in the group stage. I think the most interesting match is going to be Villarreal playing host to Manchester United. Uh, the series, or at least the recent series, has been a very short one. Uh, man, you have had the best of it with a 1-1-0 record. And uh, they are tied at seven points right now in the table. Ma uh, Manchester United actually lead via head-to-head play they won three to nothing in the first match when they hosted so even though Villarreal has the better goal differential it is Manchester United that have the advantage right now Atalanta by the way out of Serie A Italy they are only two points back at five you can catch this on Paramount Plus or Spanish language broadcast TUDN at 12 45 p.m eastern time U.S. Villarreal 
I kind of like them in this match for some reason, even though you're they're traditionally sort of your best of the rest. They're always very good in the Europa League. Anyway, they are from the east central coast of the country, Valencia, and they're probably the uh, biggest little soccer city in the world to sort of quasi steal something from Reno here. It's a city of only 50,000. Four of Spain's biggest 500 companies are here, and they are all in tile manufacturing. It's sort of a fun side note for them. In fact, the stadium that they'll be hosting in is called Estadio de la Ceramica. However, they are not known as the tiles or tile makers. Their nickname is kind of interesting, the Yellow Submarine. I don't believe that it's Beatles-oriented, though. They are the number 22-ranked club in UEFA. They won the Europa League last year. That's how they qualified. Uh, they made the Champions League semifinals in 2005-2006. That's the best they've ever done at that stage internationally. Uh, the last Champions League they qualified for was uh, 2016-17, and they made the playoff round, which is just one round shy of the group stage or event proper. Uh, they've got a 2-1-1 record going for this event with a 9-5 goal differential. That's good for best offense and defense. They play out of the second-best league in the world, according to FIFA, or UEFA, rather. They're the number two. Uh, whoops! <laughs> Number B, UEFA ranked league. Ba 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 da. Whoa. Number B. Number B. They're only number 12 in the league right now. They've really been struggling in that regard. Hopefully, it means they've just been saving all their energies for this event. Uh, they've got a barely average offense, to be perfectly honest, but the defense has been top four in the league. Uh, what offense they do get, by and large, courtesy of Arnott Danjuma. Nigerian winger, 24 years old, top 10 league scorer. Uh, he's a favorite for me because he spent his last two years prior to this with AFC Bournemouth in the championship, the second division over in England, which is person noobs in my team. We love our fighting cherries. Before that, he also spent a season with Club Brugge out of Belgium. That's easily their top team. On the assists leaderboard, Jeremy Pino from Spain, 24 years old. Uh, he's been with this group a long time. This was the last of the three different youth clubs that he played for, and it's the only professional club he's ever been on. Young man's even managed to get himself a couple of national team caps. But our all-around best player, I think, unfortunately for them because he's injured, is their right back, Juan Foyth. He has just been a stalwart on defense, and he's an excellent passer. Can get him out of trouble or start the counterattack with that, but they will not have him. So I think we're going to see some attacking down the right side, actually, for both teams, as we'll soon discover. As far as the team's form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three. They have not conceded a goal in those three. Now, Manchester United playing out of the world's best league, the Premier League. They are 2-1-1 one, one in the group stage. Uh, they haven't really struggled exactly, but giving up seven goals in those four games hasn't exactly been great either. But they have been getting plenty of offense. Tied for number five in event scoring has been Ronaldo. He's got five. And then tied for number five in event assists is one of the greatest midfielders in the world, Bruno Fernandes, their Portuguese attacking midfielder. Right now in the Premier League, they're just in sixth place. The offense has been very good. The defense has been, for them, abysmal. Tied for number 13 in the league. Key players to look for. Tied for number one in league assists with seven is Paul Pogba, their French midfielder, world class. Now, I mentioned before that we were going to see uh, 
I think some trouble on the right side for both teams. The weak link on the defense, if you look at at least all the various stats, is Manchester United rights back, a guy I wasn't even familiar with, Paul Bailey from the Ivory Coast. So keep your eye on that part of the screen, I guess, for the whole game if you watch it. The team's current form, 1-1-1 with a 7-2 goal differential. I really like Villarreal at home here to at least get a result because I think they know that they probably only need to get a draw in order to advance to the knockout stage. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Another match for your Tuesday. And yes, Persanube, finally we are done, at least with our 10 official matches that we're going to track. Don't forget we've got our super fun three bonus matches after this one. Anyway, your match number 10. We started with the Champions League final in Africa for the women. We're going to end on the men's side and in Asia. It is the AFC Champions League final where all Hilal out of Saudi Arabia are going to be playing host to Pohang Steelers out of South Korea. No neutral side for this one. They're playing it in Riyadh. You can watch this one at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. We'll talk about the Saudi Arabian side first. Three Champions League titles. Most recent one was in 2019. By the way, that's tied for the most ever of any one club in Asia. The league they play out of is very impressive and on their eyes. The Saudi Pro League, uh, the new coefficients just came out. It is now rated the number one league in the AFC that is up two notches from a year ago. There's a real shakeup in their coefficients. It's been very interesting, particularly because of the uh, kind of abysmal collapse of China. I think they went from number one down to number seven. Anyway, 2021-22 season is, oh, maybe a dozen games underway is all, I believe, in Saudi Arabia. And this team is in fourth place. But that said, they are undefeated. They've got two matches in hand over most of the clubs that are right around them in the table. They're still the best club going. Very well balanced. Top four offense, top five defense. Top 10 league assists, man to look for, Nasser Al-Dawsari. is a midfielder, very young, just 22 years old. Wonder if the other team will be able to take advantage of his youth a little bit. Maybe they'll attack him. Uh, All-around best player they have goes Brazilian uh, Mateus Pereira, in my opinion, their central attacking midfielder. He's got the experience to back it up, too. Uh, he spent plenty of time with West Brom over in the Premier League in England and Sporting CP, one of the big three over in Portugal's top flight league phenomenal passer. His accuracy is just off the charts. He's a solid enough tackler as well when he has to track back, and he's already got six league assists. He's getting one about every other game. This team qualified for the Champions League by winning both the 2019-2020 Saudi Pro League and the FA Cup that they call the King's Cup over there. To advance to the final, they beat their uh, countrymen, if you will, club uh, from Saudi Arabia, Al Nasser, in the semifinal 1-2. to two. One more player to look for because he's been so hot in this tournament, if not necessarily in league play. Top 10 scoring for this event has been Bafetimi Gomez. He's a French striker, 36 years old, and League One fans from over in France will know his name well. Had a big stretch of his career with a uh, career with one of the better teams over there, Lyon. English fans might recognize him as well. He played with the former Premier League club, now in the championship, Swansea City. Team's current form, uh, it's the hottest I've ever seen in all my time doing the podcast, which has been over a year at least. Um, unbeaten in their last 17 matches across all competitions. Stretches all the way back to last May. They've been uh, Their last five, for example, they've been averaging over two goals per game. Just absolutely on fire. And to seeing if they can extinguish that fire, coming to the Riyadh, 
Pohang Steelers. Pohang is a city in the east-southeast part of South Korea. Uh, well over a half a million people live there. They also have three Champions League titles to their credit. Ooh la la. That means that whoever wins this match will have the record at four all to their little selves. They most recently won it a little bit further back, 2009. Last appearance they made, in fact, was in 2016, and they didn't get past the group stage then. And I, Reading that, I felt a little bit less embarrassed doing my research because I probably only really started following the sport in uh, 2017, at least uh, internationally, to the degree I do now, covering every FIFA league in the world, essentially. I wasn't familiar with Pohang at all. In any case, they qualified via finishing number three in the 2020 K-League One, the top flight over there in South Korea, which, by the way, is your new second-best team in the AFC, AFC. That's up four spots from a year ago. To advance to the final, they beat fellow K-League One club Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, 1-1 in regular time, then had to beat them 5-4 on penalty kicks to advance. League play, their league just finished up, by the way, and they only finished in seventh. The problem was the offense. They were just a little bit below average on that, to be perfectly honest. The defense was good, not great, top four. So I'm not sure this is the team that's going to get it done. Top 10 league score from their league, uh, Lim Sang-Hube, uh, long in the soccer tooth winger, 33 years old. Nice to see some experience, though. Number three in assists for their league, fullback and winger Ken Sang-Woo, one of those box-to-box guys. Box-to-box guys, rather. And he's been here his entire career, except for one year when he had to do a mandatory year with uh, – uh, the Army, he went over to the Army team that also happens to play in the top flight. Team's current form, uh, they didn't finish real strong, to be honest. 1-0-3 in their last four with just a 6-4 to four goal differential. My thoughts on this, Pohang did not finish their season well. Obviously, all Hill all did. And to be perfectly honest, looking at how all the teams did across the board in the western part of Asia versus the eastern, which I do give some stock to, the, it shifts a lot, to be perfectly honest, but every seven to eight years. And right now, the balance is in uh, the Middle East and Western Asia, plus this team is going to have the somewhat fresher legs. I like the Saudi team to advance, uh, to uh, rather to get to hoist the trophy. Easily. Bring forth the bonus matches. Every single week, I put up candidate matches on Twitter for these three bonus matches. Soccer Noob USA is my handle, by the way. You can vote. Magic content is issued forth. It is a dreamy process. First of the three bonus matches is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call the... Route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. And it is just as dramatic as Person Noob makes it sound with her homemade echo sound effect. I used to do one. She didn't like it. Hers is better. I agree. You voted for a Sunday match out of the higher league of Tajikistan. It is really the highest league. Their top flight is ranked number 12 in all of Asia. From this league, the winner gets to go to the Champions League. The second best team does not. They do get to go to international play. Though. They go to the secondary tournament uh, for some club teams in Asia called the AFC Cup, sort of an equivalent to the Europa League, yet not in a way. We can get into that another time. Two teams are going to get automatically relegated as we look at the other end of the spectrum, and there's only three matches left in the season. Not much longer to talk Tajik. Your matchup is number 10 in last place, Dushanbe, 83, versus number one, Istiklal. Istiklal have the league wrapped up. They are ahead of Kujand by 10. 
So does that mean that they'll be playing, say, nothing but reserves and maybe leave a bit of an opening for Deshaun B? Mm, I don't know if I bet money on it yet. We'll find out as we go on. Uh, meanwhile, on the other end, uh, D83, if you will, they trail two different clubs by five. So they still could hypothetically crawl out of the relegation zone, starting to look like there's not enough season left, though. These two teams have already played twice, uh, one home, one away for each, and it was Istiklal coming out on top 5-0 in both of those. Still, we'll talk about your underdogs first, severe ones at that. Deshaun B83, I love the kits. They're yellow and black as a University of Iowa Hawkeye grad. That's my favorite combination, although it could be a little bit more old gold if anybody there over there in Tajikistan's listening maybe has some pull. In any case, 2019 was their first year playing in the top flight. In fact, they only finished in third place in Division II the year before. My guess is that they didn't even promote three teams, but that somebody didn't want to go up or couldn't get a license to play Division I in Tajikistan. And in uh, the 2019 season, their first season after getting promoted, They actually finished all the way up in third place last year. Bit of a dip, number six. Good golly, Miss Molly, what has happened to them this year? Number nine offense, they uh, score less than a goal a game, and they've got the very worst defense in the league, giving up well over two goals per match. Their current form, unsurprisingly, they have lost six straight and have a miserable 2-17 and 17 goal differential in those half-dozen matches. Meanwhile, your likely visitors in waiting, Istiklal, the Lions, boo, every other club in the world is the Lions. We don't like Lions, so go D83. Uh, they also play in the capital city. Their name, uh, Istiklal, means independence. That's a really interesting club history because they were founded specifically 14 years ago to commemorate uh, the national independence of Tajikistan. That's unique, at least in as far as I've heard. Soccer, nine league titles, and they are the seven-time defending champions. They won something called the AFC President's Cup, a now-defunct tournament. They won that in 2012. Uh, at the time that it was getting played, it was the third-tier tournament in Asia, right below that AFC Cup that I mentioned earlier. 2015 and 2017, they almost won that event. Finished runners-up in the AFC Cup those two times. Uh, they made the round of 16 last year of the Champions League before they ran into the buzzsaw that was Persepolis, the Giants out of Iran. League play, they just have one loss in the year in their 23 matches, and their goal differential really says it all, as if the win-loss record, win-loss record doesn't. 63-4 versus 8 against. They're unbeaten in their last six Goal differential 10 to 1. I don't think it matters if they're playing their reserves unless their reserves are all toddlers. The first two games went 5-0. That's my prediction for this one as well. A nil 5 win for the favorites. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Two teams perfectly equidistant. From the glory and misery of finishing at the top or bottom of their leagues, they won't be getting international berths, nor will they probably be getting kicked out of their leagues to second divisions never to be seen again. The truly most meaningless matches in the world were up for grabs. The one you voted for was a Saturday match from Moldova's National League. It is the number 33-ranked league in all of UEFA. That's up 12 from a year ago, even though it's still a little bit below average. And they're a little bit more than halfway through their season already. And the matchup is number six, Dinamo Auto versus number five, Balti. And I hope I'm getting that right because the, both the vowels have diacritical marks and I am just not up on my Moldovan. Hard to believe. But by the way, isn't it nice? I mean, we've all sort of enjoyed and 
been uh, struck in awe by the story of FC Sharif uh, or Sheriff rather in the Champions League. Nice to learn about a couple other teams from this country, maybe for just a moment. These two are tied on points in the table. Balti have a substantial lead though on goal differential. As far as why they're in the middle of the pack, uh, well, Balti, they're a 14 away from third place and you would have to get at least up to third to get any kind of international tournament berth in Europe. Meanwhile, Dinamo Auto, uh, they lead number seven, second to last place, Zimbru by five points. So a little bit more in danger there, but Zimbru's not very good. And even if he finishes second to last, you're not necessarily going to get kicked out of the league. That would be a relegation playoff spot. In any case, between these two teams, the recent series has been perfectly even, 8-4 and 8. They've already played twice this year since it's already only an 18 league. Dinamo Auto won 2-4 on the road. Balti returned the favor and won 1-4 on the road. We'll talk about the hosts first, Dinamo Auto. They play out of the same city that FC Sheriff does, Tiraspol. It is the capital of the breakaway wannabe state, if you will, of Transnistria. No, but no country in the world, even Russia, recognizes it. It's a long strip of land along the Ukrainian border that's essentially autonomous. Now, they don't actually play in the city proper. They play in the village of Ternaka in the Slobozia district, which is the southernmost district of Greater Tiraspol. Architecture buffs. I was going to say nerds, but that's rude because look what I'm doing. Um, you may know this town. It is known for a hotel, hotel museum that I believe is pronounced the Botilka or Botilka. I don't know. B-U-T-Y-L-K-A. What is it famous for? Being the largest bottle-shaped building on the planet Earth. Kind of interesting and cool. Who is it that keeps track of these things? As far as the footy, they have spent eight years in Division One. Their best finish by four. Uh, by far, rather, was their number four finish in 2019. Last year was the only time they've ever been in international play. They went to the Europa League and went right back out in the first round. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, the offense, a little above average. The defense, a little below average. They do have one very good player, though, at the very least, scoring leaderboard resident Maxim Mahalioff. He is a homegrown midfielder, 35 years old, and has five goals. I also like seeing a lot of Moldovans actually on these teams because FC Sheriff, as fun as that story has been, it's not in some ways a Moldovan team. It is all, uh, for the most part, uh, players that are from other countries. And by the way, this team's form is 2-0-1 in their last three. Now coming to town, Balti, they are from a town of the same name. It's actually uh, the second biggest one in Moldova, sort of the unofficial capital of the north part of the country. It's about 80 miles north of the capital city of Chisinau. In 2009, if you've been following soccer that long, which I haven't, but I managed to find something on this, uh, they made international soccer news by doing something that I'm not sure anybody else has done before or since. They offered a one-year contract online to the highest bidder in the entire world. And it went to a Brazilian businessman who was a former uh, pro footballer, not, I don't think, of any great stature, nor did he play terribly long. He ended up declining it. He actually thought he wasn't going to win because he didn't pay for the uh, application fee. So the club reopened the bidding, but if they decided on a winner and did anything with it, they never announced it. Still, really interesting concept to try to get some publicity. Uh, last year, 
They won the Division Two. That is the only title they've ever had of any kind. But that's a this may or may not be the first time they've ever played in the top flight in Moldova. That I could not find for certain. Across the board, statistically, they are just below average in every single way. Uh, bucking that trend, top ten league scorer from the Ukraine, uh, from not the, but from Ukraine, Serhai Malachko. Team form, eh, they've lost three straight. They didn't manage a goal in any of those games. They really need Serhai to pick things up a little bit. One of the things I like to do for this bonus match, since it's so meaningless, is to find the statistically most average players for each team. This particular time, I decided to go a different route and find the quote-unquote most meaningless celebrity I could from Tiraspol and tell you a little bit about it, because we like to learn about the world as we learn about soccer. Let's talk about... Georgi Stamatov, uh, middle name is uh, Porfuryev. He was uh, born in 1869, lived until 1942. And uh, while born in Moldova, he was uh, prominently known as a Bulgarian writer. Now, to not be confused, this is not the same guy who was uh, cinephiles. He was not the actor and director, Georgi Stamatov, who was alive from 1893 to 1965. Don't want to mix him up. That could be embarrassing. The Bulgarian writer was born in Tiraspol in a region uh, historically called uh, Bessarabia. Uh, this is the management. Uh, was, uh, Hello and thank you for listening. Uh, On behalf of all of us here, I'd like to apologize for the inanity of this portion of the podcast. Boring celebrity, Bulgarian writer, dead and gone 70 years. Noob often runs loose on this show. We thank you not only for your patronage, but for your patience as well. We'll now return you to to whatever this was supposed to be. His first published work as a writer was a poem, but he didn't really consider himself a poet. Most of his stuff that you would ever find uh, were uh, moderately uh, short stories, pessimistic, ironic, and tended to be set out in the countryside or in provincial cities. Uh, really, if you're going to find anything in this guy, unless you can get a hold of old copies of a journal called Thought, your best bet's going to be go to Project Gutenberg online. You can find some of his work uh, in various small book-sized compilations that were written in the early 20th century. And now at last, we come to the true end of our podcast road for the week. One last bonus match that pits the two worst teams from some domestic top flight, a true atrocity waiting to happen before our eyes if you have the sense to actually not watch it. This is the match of Disappointed! And the one you have voted for is a Sunday match out of lovely little Luxembourg over in Europe. Their top flight's called the National Division. It is the number 36 ranked league in UEFA, which is a little bit below average, but I think that's pretty good for such a speck on the map, basically. I mean, that slots them uh, right between like Bosnia and Herzegovina and Latvia's top flights. Pretty good. Uh, that said, uh, these two teams have nothing to do with that success. Two teams from this league are going to get relegated. Two teams are going to have to play uh, for their national division lives to finish right above them in what's called a relegation playoff. I don't think these two teams are even going to get a sniff at the ladder. This is number 15, RM Ham Benfica versus number 16, FC Rodange 91. And the management and I are thrilled because we like all things to do with Ham, including our soccer clubs. Thank you so much for picking this particular one. Uh, right now, Rodange trail Ham Benfica by two in the table, and then Ham Benfica in turn trail a club that still sounds like a little old lady named me at Zella Edelbrock 
by nine. Tell me that wasn't one of your grandmother's closer friends. I'm sure it must have been, and I don't even know your grandma, as far as you know. Ooh, rude. Anyway, as far as the recent series, uh, Ham Benfica have had the best of it with a 3-1-0 record. Yeah, not talking about your mom, talking about your grandmom on the match of Disappointed. I don't know what it means either. Ham Benfica, let's talk about it first. Their full name is uh, Football Club Rapid Mansfeldia Ham Benfica. A disappointingly long name. At least they've had the sense to typically shorten it a little bit. Now, Ham is not a city. It's actually one of the many quarters of Luxembourg City. It's worth pointing out that uh, a quarter is not a fourth of the overall capital city. There are actually 24 quarters in Luxembourg City. Ham is one of the eastern quarters. It's got about 1,500 people, and World War II history buffs will most especially know this one. Uh, the Luxembourg American Cemetery and Memorial is there, and that's where General George S. Patton is buried, actually. And interesting side note, while he is there, the club technically is not. They must have offices there or something, because the actual grounds that they play on are in the neighboring quarter of Sents in Luxembourg City. As far as the footy, this team, uh, they reached Division One for the first time in 2006-2007. I am not 100% sure that it's been an uninterrupted uh, run for them or if they have yo-yoed back and forth between the top flight. And yes, believe it or not, Luxembourg has at least one other uh, you know, high-end organized FA-type league, even for such a small country. Last year, they finished in 14th place. Should have been bad enough to get relegated, but because of COVID and uh, some various machinations, no teams were relegated out of that, and actually a lot of leagues all over Europe and the world. So they should have been gone, but they're still here. Please try not to stab out your eyes over their 1-0-10 record on the year with worst across the board statistically, 5-37 and 37 goal differential. They are the worst in every statistical category you can think of. I don't know how they have wins. Somehow they beat number 11, uh, Vittoria Rossport, 1-0. Uh, they're back to their usual ways. Their last match, they lost 0-7 to number 6, Swiss uh, Swift. Hesperange is the name of that club. Uh, meanwhile, we'll talk about Rodange. They're in the southwest part of the country, right on the border with Belgium. Uh, it's a town of about 6,000. Uh, it's known for its steel production and something specifically called long steel production, which isn't disappointing or not. I just thought it was interesting because they make anything from uh, wire to rail to girders. Doesn't matter as far as the girth, as long as it's long, it's something they're producing. Uh, founded in 1991, this was actually the merger of much too older clubs. It is a yo-yo team. Uh, they've been back most recently, just since the 2018-19 season in the top flight. Last year, they finished in 12th place. This year, despite being in second to last, or no, they are in last place, and for good reason, they are 0-1-10 on the year with a 9-28 and goal differential, which is the second worst offense and defense in the league. These two really are the two worst and don't belong in this league in the slightest. Uh, the one draw that they had was amongst their very first few matches, and it was versus number nine, U.S. Mondorf Labane. They do have a couple players that I suppose could be worth watching just because the other team didn't have any guys that had scored multiple goals yet. With three on the season early here is Momar Ndaye. He's from Senegal, a 34-year-old attacker. Uh, he started with uh, much better clubs like Metz over in League One in France. But to be perfectly honest, he spent at least the majority of his career with various Luxembourg clubs. Just 
better ones than this, thankfully. Also, tied with him at three goals is Kylian Amahi. He is a French attacker, 24 years old, and being so young, this is the only club that he's ever been with. Here's the hoping that he doesn't just give up the sport and take up water polo or something that literally no one will be watching, because who knows, he might turn out to be all right. So, for a change, we've been comparatively nice. Nevertheless, even though we didn't go too hard on these teams, we are going to continue our tradition of ending the podcast, not by wishing these teams good luck. What good would it do, after all? A nil-nil draw is in store, and we all know it. Instead, we're going to send them off in our usual fitting fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! Boo! Yep. That's how we end things. This has been Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. We hope you've enjoyed the local, regional, and world soccer previews. And the off-brand humor. Yes, we admit it. (laughs) And we'd also like to thank the usual people for everything they do. The management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my former website's Interno Inferno for everything that he participates in on the show. To my lovely co-host and dearest daughter, Person Noob. I love doing this with you every week. Thank you so much. And to you, listeners, we really hope that you've enjoyed it. We've endeavored to put something together that's really unique, to say the very least. So have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>